All right, turn in your Bibles to Hosea chapter 3. And we really are in Hosea this time. I know you've missed it. Hey, Dave. Is that the voice of God? Yes. Before we start, I just wanted to announce that it's Kelly Coles' birthday today. All right. So happy birthday, Kelly. Happy birthday to you. That's awesome. I love birthdays. All right, turn to Hosea chapter 3. Now, if you are just new with us this week, I'll just summarize very quickly, and then we'll watch our, we will watch our next video in just a moment um, about Hosea. But if you remember, we showed you several videos at the beginning of this series. These are videos done by Irving Bible Church. And they did a series on Hosea a while back in their main service. And I loved the videos so much, I went ahead and, and uh, told them I was going to use them if I could. And they said that was fine. So um, we saw the first uh, three videos at the beginning of this series. And it was really a modern-day retelling of Hosea. So you can't look at the video and think it's the exact representation of what's in scripture because it's not because there was that one scene where the girl like gets arrested by a cop and you're like they had cops back then that's crazy so um so but the the videos went something like this this is a summary a modern day retelling of Hosea the, the, the story went like this remember that guy he was looking all dreamy in front of the church he was getting married to his his love Hosea was marrying Gomer his wife right that was her name Gomer and so as the video unfolded um, we see them get married. We see them being mar marital bliss. And then a few scenes later, he's coming home to surprise her with flowers. And he literally catches her with someone else in his bedroom, right? That's what the video, now I didn't show graphically, of course, but it was just depicted that that's what took place. And that is essentially the story of Hosea and Gomer, that he marries this girl, commanded by God to marry this girl, who he knew was going to cheat on him. God says she's going to cheat on you, and he married her anyway. And the point of him marrying her was to point out um, the fact that Israel was cheating on God in the same way that Gomer was going to cheat on Hosea. That's the way that Israel was cheating on God. So in the video series that we watched, um, it went from that scene to the next scene where he was looking, driving around town looking for her and seeing her go into a restaurant with some other people. Um, he knows she's still cheating on him. The next scene was her getting arrested by a police officer and being taken off to jail. So that's where we left it, and this is going to be part four of the story of Jose. Let's go ahead and watch this video.
So look with us at Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. And this is what verse 1 says. We'll take this as verse by verse, phrase by phrase. And the Lord said to me, meaning Hosea, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Now imagine how difficult this would be. Hosea's already been commanded by God to go and take someone who he knows is going to cheat on him so that his life can be an example for the nation of Israel and what they're doing to God, which is spiritual adultery. And so she cheats on him. They have kids together. She's still cheating on him. And then God says, now she is removed from him. And in the actual story of Hosea, scholars believe that at this point in her life, she had maybe even sold herself into slavery or been sold into slavery. And so now he is told by God to go and pursue her again. This might be a couple of, a few years beyond when this whole thing began. So imagine how difficult this would be where Hosea's response might be something like, God, I tried loving this girl as best I could, but look where it got me. I already did what you said. I, I followed your commands, but look what it got me. It got me nothing but heartache. So imagine how difficult this would be to now pull yourself up off the carpet, dry your tears, and actually go pursue this person again that's already made a mess of your life already. So God says, go pursue her again. And I want you to understand something that, um, just a little tan, uh, tangent statement here, but I want you to understand this. I was looking at this, looking at this passage this week, and I thought, you know, I don't want anyone to look at this passage and to think that um, God, if you're dating someone right now, that God wants you to stay with someone who cheats on you, right? I'm not joking. I'm actually serious when I say that, that the point of this passage is not for you as a teenager to say, well, God, I mean, he wants me to stay committed to this person who's cheating on me in this dating relationship. No, that's not the point of Hosea. If that's happening to you or has happened to you, then it needs to be over. The, 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 the godly thing to do is to end it and to move on. That's the godly thing to do there. The point of Hosea, Hosea was a very special situation. We, we can't draw that kind of application out for us and say, oh, look, this guy is, is making a mess of my life. I should stay with him because that's what God wants me to do. No, it's not what God wants you to do. That's not what he wants you to do, just so you're aware. So, so Hosea loves this woman. He had children with her, and then she leaves, and she's living with someone else or in some other situation. But in spite of that, he's commanded to pursue her again. And the question we're all asking is why. Well, the next phrase tells us why. Because God says, Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. What? I know you're asking that question. What does that mean? Let me explain this very quickly. But the, um, I, I know you're thinking, what does God have against Fig Newtons? What's, what's the big deal? Um, cakes of raisins. Let me explain what this is. What are raisin cakes and why are they bad? Here's why they were bad back then. They were, they, these were pressed cakes. These were pressed cakes of dried grapes. And these were offered to idols in idol worship. In fact, some even say, some scholars even say that these were used um, in acts of uh, People would eat these before they would engage in uh, temple prostitution in that culture, right? This is how these, these things were used. So they were, 
They were associated with idol worship. And so God, when God says that, he's basically referring to idolatry when he uses that phrase. And so the question is, why does God command Hosea to do this? Why does he command him um, to pursue this woman again? And the reason is right here, because even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. So there's the connection, right? I want you to go pursue her again, even as I have loved Israel, in spite of the fact that they are committing idolatry and spiritual adultery against me. So God commands Hosea to do this because of one reason, because this is what God does. This is the kind of God that you and I serve. Gomer turned from her husband to other men. Israel turned from God to other gods. And so God says, I want you to be an example of the kind of God that I am to Israel. So I want you to go pursue her again in spite of how much it hurts. So you can imagine the response, not just of Hosea, but also of the Israelites as they look at Hosea, right? I mean, let's just break this down. If, if you know someone is married to someone and they're getting cheated on over and over and over again, and that person continues to pursue them, most people in society turn towards that person and say, man, just give up on this person. Why do you want to pursue them like this? Why, why are you putting yourself through hell? You're crazy for wanting to continue this. Most of us would, would turn to that person and say that to them, or at least think it if we don't say it. But here's what I want you to understand. Listen, have you ever wondered why we don't see God's love for us as that crazy? Have you ever wondered why we don't look at God and say, God, you're crazy. Why, why are you loving us like this? What is wrong with you, God? Why, why are you giving yourself like this to us? The reason why we don't say that about God is because most of us just consider God's love for us as a given, right? We just think of it as, yeah, of course he loves me. He's God. He's perfect. He's supposed to. But think about that. That's a way that we take God's love for granted, isn't it? Because Jose is told to love her, not just tolerate her. He's told to pursue her, go love her again, not just put up with her, not just tolerate her. He's commanded to go love her and pursue her in the same way that God unconditionally loves and pursues us in our sin. And so I want you to know this morning that if you think, listen, if you think you've gone too far, that you can't be redeemed, you've done too much, you've, your life has just taken so many wrong turns and you can't, you can't be redeemed, if, if you think that's true about yourself, this verse, this passage says you're wrong this morning. This passage says that, no, there's, there's a God who is out there who he doesn't just tolerate you, but he loves you. He doesn't just put up with you, but he pursues you. He loves you. We worship a God who loves, not just a God who just tolerates. Look at verse 2. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. I always love these cross-cultural issues in the scriptures. 
I know when you think of Homer, you think of the Simpsons or baseball. But you're wondering what a Homer is here. Basically, the price that he paid for her is, a, uh, is the price of a slave. This is why some scholars think that she may have sold herself into slavery at this point just to have a way of being taken care of. And maybe she thought, there's no way I can go back to him because Hosea will think I'm too far gone. There's no way he will take me back, which is the exact same thing that some of you think about God. And so Hosea goes and he buys her back, just like you saw in the video. He goes and he bails her out. He buys her back in the same way that God does for us. You know things are bad when you have to, you have to go buy your wife back from something. You know things have gotten to a bad place when you've got to pay money to get your wife back. And as I said before, this is, this is probably not prostitution, but most likely slavery. And so if you can imagine... Jose and Gomer have some kids, and she's out of the house. She's been living away from him for a while now. And you can imagine one morning he just wakes up the kids and says, you know, wakes his kids up and says, I heard about your mom. She's down in the slave market this morning, and I'm going to go get your mom back. I'm going to go. Let's gather up what we have in the house. Let's gather up the money and the grain so we have enough to buy her back, and let's Get this together so I can go purchase your mom back, and I'm going to bring her home today. And so as he gathers everything up from the house, and then he heads down to the slave market, and, and in the bidding, as the bidding goes on, and he goes back and forth with the, the auctioneer if it, if it was done that way, and then finally he, he makes the final bid, and he buys his wife back to take her home. And if you can imagine just her reaction to that, not even really even knowing who was out there in the crowd that day and not even knowing that he was there and that that's where she would end up that night. And, of course, for a time, they're, for a time they're, they're reunited. And so the point here is that you need to see is that Gomer is a slave just like Israel is a slave. And this is always where your sin leads. Your sin always leads into slavery. And the problem is that, especially when you're in high school, you don't realize this right now, but sin is slavery. Most of you think of sin as a form of freedom. It's, it's my way of getting to do what I want to do. But sin always leads you down the path towards slavery, just like Gomer was led into that place. Just like Israel wanted to go back to Egypt into slavery when they had been set free. That is the exact same thing you and I do, is it not? Sin is slavery, and until you see it as that, you're always going to go back into it and not be delivered from it. Look at verse 3. It says, And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. Now, I imagine this scene was a powerful scene. I imagine that as they're walking back home from the slave market, that maybe he, he turned Gomer to him face to face and grabbed her by the shoulders and spoke these words to her and said to her, this is not who you are. This is no longer who you are. I have purchased you from the life that you've chosen. 
and I'm taking you back, and you're not going to live this way anymore. You can hear in that statement this loving, firm, unconditional love from a husband to a wife. And let me tell you, as I read that, that verse this week, I thought to myself, you know what, there, there are so many of you out here in this crowd that I would love to, in a loving way, grab you by the shirt collar and say, and speak this kind of truth into your life. I know the path that you're on. I know where you're heading. The leaders in the room, we know where you're heading. We can see it plain as day. You're not hiding anything from us. And we, we so badly want to grab you by the shirt in a loving way and say, and speak this kind of truth into your life and say, no, this is not who you are. This is not the life God has for you. This is not what God has for you. There is so much more that he wants for you, and he wants to show that to you. If we could, and there are times where I have, there are times where I have, and I, and I know that's the kind of love that we as the leaders have for you here at Overflow. And I speak for all of my leaders when I say that because I see it in them. I see it in them. Look at verse 4. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. The long and short of what you need to know is that there's a time where, where Hosea separates her literally from her lovers. He takes her and says, you're going to be with me in my house for a long period of time. Just like a, a drug addict needs to be separated for a time from their idol, from their drugs, so they can get clean, get their mind and heart right, so God can begin to build their life back up. This is what has to happen sometimes when, when someone goes through this kind of thing. This is why um, parents sometimes have to literally separate you from your idol. They have to literally separate you from what is... Uh, causing you to walk down that pathway to slavery. And parents at times have to step in and say, look, we're going to separate you physically from this relationship or from this person or from this substance so that your life can be built back up in a relationship with God. And there are all kinds of addictions like that. I mean, there was a, I was talking to my neighbor this past week. Um, we talked quite a bit, and... Uh, this is his stepson, who is, I think, about 18 or 19 years old now. He lives in the house with them. And for the last year, he's telling me his stepson won't get a job. All he does is play video games all day, every day, till the late hours of the night. And this is a form of an addiction. This is an addiction for him. And so it would be wise for a parent to step in and say, look, we're going to stand between you and your idol until, until your life can be built back up. Now, he's not a Christian yet, so that's what I'm praying for first and foremost, but I'm not talking about behavior change here, but even for Christians that get bogged down in this kind of slavery, there are times where, where someone has to step in and say, we're going to stand between you and this sin so that we can help you with this. That has to happen many times in these kinds of situations. Look at verse uh, 5. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. I want you to see that. It says, the, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God. So 
when God separates Israel from their idolatry, at that point, for that time, after that, there's going to be a day where they turn and they seek God again. Think about this. The country, the, the nation that sought after idols. Gomer, the person who sought after other lovers. There's going to be a time where they seek their one true God. And they turn back to him and their heart has been turned. And what I want you to get from this is that God does this kind of purging work in our lives and our hearts so that we will seek him again. So that your heart will be turned. Not just your behavior will change, but so that your heart will be transformed to want and pursue him, to seek after him. And so instead of running from him, they're going to run to him. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That last phrase is so important. When you seek me with all of your heart. Because so many of us, we try to seek God, or at least pretend to, while we hang on to something else. And here's the, the reality. You're not going to be able to seek him when you're hanging on to an idol. You're not going to be able to seek him in the way it's talked about here when your heart is divided. And so what God wants from you is, is a complete whole heart. You can't seek him halfway You can't seek him halfway and then wonder why you don't sense his presence in your life. You can't do it. And so what I want you to get this morning, I want this to go to Jesus now. So in the same way, in the same way, look at me, in the same way that Hosea bought his wife back, this is what Jesus does for us. He buys us back. He buys us back. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. I'll read it. It's on the screen. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So here's what it's saying. If you're a Christian this morning, and if you're not a Christian, this is an invitation to what he's offering to you. But if you're a Christian this morning, then you don't belong to you. You belong to God. He's bought, he has paid a price for you. He has redeemed you. He has given you a new identity in him. Hosea paid with some silver. Jesus paid with his blood. Everything Hosea had, he brought to purchase his wife back. Everything Jesus had, he gave. He gave. And I want you to see this morning, there there are three ways in which Jesus redeems us. Three ways. The first one is redemption as deliverance. What I mean by that is if you're a sin, if you're, if, you're, if you're in slavery to sin, which we all are before we come to know Christ, then what Jesus does for us is he redeems us, and that redemption is like a deliverance. It is setting us free. In the same way that the Israelites were set free from Egypt, that is a spiritual example of what happens to us spiritually. We are set free, delivered from slavery, which is sin, and one guy named Mark Driscoll, another guy named Jerry Brashears, they wrote a book together called Redemption, or they wrote a forward to the book called Redemption. And here's the quote. It says, Redemption is synonymous with being liberated, freed, or rescued from bondage and slavery to a person or a thing. He delivers you. The second way Jesus redeems us is redemption is a ransom. 
what I mean by that is Jesus literally paid the price for you and I to come into relationship with him, and he did it through the, his death and his blood on the cross for us. He paid the price. He ransomed us. Redemption is ransom. And then thirdly, redemption as a renewal. And I want you to get this because this is important. He renews you. He transforms you. The Bible even uses language like you're a new creation once you enter into a relationship with him. So there's three things. Deliverance, ransom, and renewal. That is redemption. We're going to break off now into into discussion groups. And what I want to do is have uh, the leaders come up here and get the discussion sheets over here on the side of the stage. So leaders, go ahead and come on up. And they're over here to my, uh, to my right, the discussion sheets for your breakouts. And what we'll do, we have like half our team missing today because of sickness, it looks like. So I want to make sure we have all of our bases covered. So um, leaders, make your way up and head to the, um, actually just stay there at the door, doorway area. We'll, we'll just miss based on uh, great agenda here in a minute. Make sure we're okay on the leaders. Uh, okay, freshman girls and freshman guys, go ahead and stand up and make your way to the door and your leaders know you know who your leaders are, so we have at least one freshman guy's leader today. We also have at least one freshman girl's leader today, so head down the hallway with them. Freshman guys, freshman girls, sophomore girls, and sophomore guys. Sophomore girls, sophomore guys, I think, Janet, you are going solo today because everyone else is out or sick. And 10th grade guys, recover there too. And then upperclassmen girls, upperclassmen guys, go ahead and stand up and head to your breakouts. And leaders, try to be finished by 11.15. I'm sorry, 12.15. I was on Pacific time. 